The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends and earn Unicorns through successful bets or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Walter C80's Fed Check bringing you another edition of the Rough Drafts Guess the Line European podcast for the 2017 Spring Split. It is week two. We have actually played professional League of Legends games on the beautiful continent of Europe. We've seen the teams play, we've seen the rookies make their debuts, and some were good, some were bad, some were kind of in the middle. Um, and you know, I, I have someone that is one of those three things, and you all can decide which one of those three things it is. I am, of course, referring to my great podcast co-host and good friend, Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. Chase, European League of Legends, is it everything that we had hoped and dreamed for? You know, I think it would have been had I not made the mistake, and I do this every year. I watched Korea when it first came on on Tuesday. I stayed up for the Midnight Series. It was so fun, right? It's like, yes, we have League again, and oh, these teams are going back and forth, and and KT was doing great stuff, and Africa showed up, and SKT looks dominant. Faker's playing even better than ever. This is so great. And what's, wait, Europe, what are you... (laughs) <laughs> guys, guys, no, no, the base is, is that way? What are you, wait, how did both of you die there? It's, it was just, I mean, look, I I love Europe. I love a lot of the coaches and players over there. Uh, I am excited to talk about because I think there are a lot of fun things that we saw. I do think that uh, you have to put things uh, by their standard, right? This is a, these are European teams. They need a little bit more time, a lot of them, in order to kind of sort their rosters together. We'll have to take some sloppiness along the way while they figure it out. Well, yeah, I I mean, we have to accept it, but from some of these teams, it seems rather inexcusable to me, given that they had so much synergy towards the end of last year. I'm not picking on one team in particular. We'll get to them in a minute. <laughs> negativity aside, yes. What week one? Mm-hmm. What is what is one thing that stood out to you in like a positive way? Like, what was one thing that you kind of like when it happened? You were like, oh, oh, that now that is interesting. Yeah, I had a couple of things real quick that I, I did love. Um, they're kind of groups of things, so I can consolidate huh. them together. Uh, I loved the creativity that we saw on display with a lot of these compositions here. Uh, you saw some fun things uh, when you look at what the Unicorns of Love were doing, obviously, with uh, Lulu support, Ivern and uh, Cassidy. That was fun. I loved seeing those kind of picks come to the forefront. I, I loved seeing, you know, teams... They, they did seem to make use of all of those pick and bands to have some really interesting characters come to the forefront. I, I will also say the thing I was mostly pleasantly surprised by was just how many of these top laners I had concerns about just came to the forefront. Uh, Satorius mm-hmm. looked good. He looked solid. Yep. Uh, Expect looked a lot better than he did last year. I liked his teleports uh, significantly better than I did most of last year. Flaxish was a legitimate player. Yes! I, I yes. was... He is a he is an, a worthy LCS starter, and you know what? So is Faxi for the record. I thought Faxi played well considering the circumstances around him. So, really, if you're looking at you know some fun pick and ban stuff, but mostly just top laners came in, did their job, locked down the position away that I don't think it has in Europe for a while, and uh, and that's fun. That I appreciate that as a fellow top laner myself. 
the, the second Flagshish locked in Alawi, I was like, oh boy, Chase is about to learn about the Flagshish Alawi that he played multiple times in the North American Challenger scene. Uh, definitely fun. I felt fairly vindicated when he had a very good showing in, in his game one. 46 total champions were contested in Europe. You bring up the interesting picks and bands. Uh, three champions out of that 46 weren't played at all. They were uh, just part of bands. Those were Elise, Talon, and Trundle. So 43 different champions have played so far in week one. That is pretty pretty awesome, pretty substantial. I don't have numbers for anything previous. I just remembered yesterday I looked up North America's, and since you brought that up, I wanted to bring up uh, Europe's champion yeah. diversity as well. Quick way to put it in perspective for those of you who did watch Korea, Korea had 42 unique champions in week one and played more series than Europe did. So Europe is definitely going all in on the creative front and I'm loving it. So. A- absolutely. Uh, I would I would say for me, um, the, the like more interesting thing was, was H2K. Hmm. H2K looked really good and, and in a way that they sort of it, it's weird because we've looked at H2K and the past year and a half basically has been very much about Forgiven. It's been very overpowering, aggressive laning style. This harkened more back to when Yarnin and Kossing were in their bot lane, where it was much more reserved, much more utility, team fight cleanup focused. They weren't necessarily dominating lane. Um, they were playing it pretty passively. But because it was so safe, that it sort of pulled opposing jungler's attention, which really allowed Yankos to have his run of the kingdom, essentially. He is the first blood king, and it's really nice to see that he hasn't dropped off at all uh, compared to his world's performance. So to me, that was really refreshing. And um, my one issue is that if Yankos isn't the carry, I guess your second carry is Oduwamne. I didn't see really anything out of Fabivan that makes me feel any better about him. Um, but, you know, if Yankos can keep playing this way and with all the different jungle champions that you could pick that have carry potential and have tank potential and have, you know, all the interesting things you can do with blast plants, um, that certainly was something that was really refreshing and makes me feel kind of dumb that I had them outside of the playoffs in my, my preseason predictions. Speaking about dumb and silly things. Chase, I believe you have a new segment for us. I do. I don't know if this is going to be a running segment yet, but I'm certainly bringing it up this time around. You guys, uh, if you're listening to the show before, you know that I was a League of Legends head coach in the uh, challenger scene of Turkey of all places. I have pictures to prove it. I Yeah, no, it's online. You can look it up on YouTube. I'm there. Uh, just look up Imperial Esports uh, back when we were in the, in the spring there. But I really do care about pick and ban. I think it is something that coaches can really do a good job of getting their team in the right place. And here are three coaches this week that didn't do that. <laughs> uh, number three, I had Yamato Cannon uh, on Splice, swing for the fences. Uh, and he swing for basically every fence is the way I put it. Katarina, Ivern, and Kled all on the same team. I, you know, if this wasn't against H2K, I would still think this was weird because why would you have Ivern, who's the most passive jungler I can come up with, and then Kled and Katarina for full on, we are fighting and, and, so, and solo killing you all day long and snowballing or we just lose? But to do it against H2K was an insult to H2K and H2K made him pay for it. Uh, number two, Irene from Vitality uh, let Camille loose in game two versus the Unicorns of Love. I don't understand. You're down a game in a best of three series, and you decide to let Camille through against Visit Chachi, who was the best top laner in uh, in Europe last year. I don't know. I guess they wanted to let Unicorns of Love win, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, number one, obviously, grabs for Rocket, giving up LeBlanc twice in a row versus G2. I, I don't know what else to add other than the fact that he let LeBlanc through twice against G2 and just watched as Perks hard-carried against the team and then seeing him hard-carry in game one, then said, you know what, let's get seconds. This seems like fun. This seems like a good plan for us winning moving forward. I There is no excuse. There's no comprehension here that's going to make that particular decision okay. And these were the three worst pick and ban decisions I ever made. Shout out to Leduck, who gets the honorable mention of the week, Please stop picking three losing lanes in one game. It really, it almost worked out for you guys, so I couldn't put you on the list, but you were this close, Leduck. I'm watching you. Watching you guys. I I had to go back to the Yamato Cannon point because the most, I hinted at it earlier. Marty, if you're listening, I'm sorry, dude. 
Week one, Splice was probably the worst team out of all ten. It was I, not good. It was. I, I think Origin actually played better than than Splice, and it's nothing I can pinpoint exactly. They just looked rusty. They just looked out of sync. They looked like sluggish. It looked like they had just gotten up and were like sipping on their coffee. Like it, it was rough to watch. It was really hard to watch, knowing how well they played all of last year. They didn't struggle early on. It was, it was kind of consistent performance all through the year that steadily got better and better and better. And just to see them come out so flat, it's just incredibly disappointing, especially when it's. You know, Caitlin is still a very strong AD carry, so Kabi can play that, or he can go to more utility focus, the Varus, the Ash, he was also a good Jin player. Like that seems right in his wheelhouse. Getting more damage supports seemed to fit in Mickey's wheelhouse too. He was very aggressive, and when Zyra came to prominence at the end of the summer, he really liked that champion too. He really liked the Karmi, liked getting in into the opposing uh opposing team's faces. Tanks for Wonder makes absolute sense. He has some of the best teleport timings of any top laner in Europe, and they just didn't exist. His teleports were really bad. He had a lot where he just went back to lane, and it felt like wonder of spring. Um, and Trashy and Senkux, they just, again, they just started off on the wrong foot. They started out flat. Um, it's a long split. They have nine more weeks to play, but they're in the tougher of the two groups. They do have, you know, they do have H2K in their group. They have Unicorns of Love in their group. They do have Vitality and Origin. And while I don't think either of those teams did anything to really make me say, like, Splice should truly be worried about them, like, they did play better than Splice this week. So that has to be a slight cause for concern. Um, I, they'll figure it out. I, I have faith they'll figure it out. But already to start off, with such a bad loss has got to be a tough pill to swallow. Uh, anything else you want to say? Any, any other little surprise, disappointment, anything yeah. like that? I mean, the one thing I'm going to tell people, I'm a lot less reactionary than a lot of analysts. I'm one of those people that says that sample size reigns above all else. And I say this when we've only seen two series from each team, let alone only one series from eight of the ten European teams. I am not ready to you know, start ringing any alarm bells, even for someone like Splice, who performed so far below what our expectations were. I'm also not right. ready to raise anybody up too much farther than where I had them, because it's only one series. But I think that what we saw, with the exception of Splice, matched what we predicted in the in the regular uh, before the season started. I didn't see anything that was particularly shocking to me. As far as how things played out, I think the more interesting thing is how these things played out. I, I think it's it's less the uh, the macro of you know which teams won these individual series and more about what patterns did we notice from the way they played the game, from their communication and big team fights, from their ability to rotate around the map effectively. Which teams had it and which teams are figuring it out and which teams look lost and. We can put teams, starting to put those teams in their own categories, and uh, we're going to learn a lot more after this week for sure. Well, Chase, we do have a way to measure if anything has changed. We're going to move on to the Guess the Lines portion of the podcast. <laughs> we need like some air horns or something going off in the background, a siren. Like Look, This is the fun part. I've got the air horn sound effect ready to go for the podcast, man. The, the audio version, at least. you oh, got to step man. up your game. That's oh, what I'm learning here. But yeah, oh, let's, let's talk about some games. Let's talk about week so, two. So after week one, uh, Chase is, in fact, up 2-0. He got both, uh, both points last week. But I'm feeling pretty confident about this week. I've seen the odds. Chase hasn't seen the odds. Yeah. I feel very confident about this. Week. That's not a good sign for me. So we're going <laughs> to dip right into the first one. Do we want to let's start with unicorns of love? Versus yeah, well, we should quickly. We went one and one in our smart money bets. We had oh, yeah, unicorns one one of love. Yeah, minus 125 over vitality. That worked out well for us. Splice minus 125 against H2K gaming. That did not work out well for us. But I think we make both those bets every time. We went one and one. Uh, overall, it's a net of negative $20 because as we said last week, there was no value to be found. Let's hope that changes around this week. Walter, let's get started on week one. Let's see if there's some value here. Yes. Game one. The, the Unicorns of Love versus Orhien. Yes. Chase, after looking at week one, Orion looks a little plucky. 
I'm not saying beating, you know, a top two team in Europe plucky, but they looked plucky. They looked fine. They, they, they look like they deserve to be in the LCS, which I guess was the big concern uh, when we just looked at the roster on paper, right? Uh, Nahoon, I, I didn't see a lot of great plays. He had one great steal and then somehow managed to make a play in the 25th minute of game two. And honestly, I could, you know, go into all of the things I found wrong with his game, but I'm just going to describe a 25th minute. He teleported into the mid lane for a fight, mm-hmm. ultimated out of the, uh, of the fight with his rift walk, uh, with his, uh, his little rift thing. He's rise. I forget the formal name of it. Then came back into the lane to try to fight again, only to immediately die. It was incredible. It was 30 to 40 seconds of just sheer dumbass in a row. And I loved every <laughs> second of it as someone who just enjoys watching League of Legends. I look, I, you know, Satorius is a is a League of Legends player. He is a top laner that does a, enough for me to say he's not going to lose them any games anytime soon. It does seem like that's where they're focusing their attention when they're drafting. They're mm-hmm. picking for him pretty clearly early on and really trying to focus spans for the opponent away from that top lane to keep Satorius comfortable as much as possible. I I thought that their inexperience really cost them more than anything else. Certainly, uh, if Satorius positions better in the top lane in game one, they don't lose that Baron that ends up snowballing the game for H2K there. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that in game two, you know, had they been a little bit more disciplined, they could have quite possibly... Uh, come back and in, in, in that game instead of losing because you know the rise came through and just took down their uh, their base entirely. I, I don't particularly care for most of what Origin did, but there's enough sides that they're a team. If they were playing a bad team, I'd maybe feel differently. But this is Unicorns of Love. I think we know where this is going, and I had it minus five hundred for the Unicorns of Love. Well, Chase, Unicorns you, are so good. There's- you are going to start out week two with the point. You are going to beat me on this one. Sweet. I am all in on the Unicorns of Love. We're part of the fan club of theirs on Facebook Oh, now. yeah. Shout out to like, Vo- uh, Zoldak, by the way, the uh, yeah. Redditor who invited us into the International Unicorns of Love fan club. We are I'm, embracing the rainbow over there on, uh, on the face space. So that's been very nice. I'm excited about that. I was so excited about it. I went Unicorns of Love minus 650. Mm. Was uh, a- it, was, it was not that high. It was, uh, it was Unicorns of Love minus 526. Okay. Uh, that puts Orhan at plus 350. Um, no thanks. No? Yeah. I, I don't think this is... No? I don't think that happens. No, I, I think that Origin's going to be very happy if they could take a game off of him. I think yeah. that that would be a huge sign for their growth. I think they'll play him, you know, close enough for them to yeah, feel okay. It, it'll be it'll be like 40-minute games that Unicorns of Love will, like, steadily, you know, slowly squeeze them out and then have, you know, a couple big fights towards the end. Like, I don't expect a 10,000 gold spike at 10 minutes, but... Yeah, no. yeah, I... I this seems like this will be a decent game. Uh, definitely not expecting Orient to just completely roll over. Um, the next game might be a little different. Oh, boy. This this feels like spring. Uh, this feels like spring rocket. They're good in the early game, and then um, are they? Are they really? Is that not as good as last spring? I'll admit that, but like they had some moments in the early game where I was like, okay, like. All right, I like it. Um, and Misfits was more. Misfits was way more even keel last week. I, you were the one that was very iffy and kind of wishy washy on Misfits. So, what did you think of Misfits after week one? Uh, I love Ignar. I thought Ignar played incredibly well. I loved his Taric. I, I thought that he did a, a very good job of punishing on. on that particular end using those combos in order to make uh, turn big team fights their direction. I thought he did very, very well with that. I thought Power of Evil looked like the change of scenery guy that I thought he might become. I think he looks like the mid laner that he was in 2015, do, you know, over one series. Will he continue to be that way? I don't know. It's just one series. But there are signs of promise from him. I'm... A lot less high on, you know, I, I think Cacao is okay. I think that Alfari was fine. I was actually less impressed with him than most of the other new top laners I was less excited about. So that was kind of interesting. 
Honestly, with Misfits, it was in general just sloppiness that punished them at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty clear in the game that they lost to uh, Giants. They just, you know, they, they let out some some weird picks that they weren't quite expecting from Giants. Uh, they allowed the Memento to steal a Baron from them. That shouldn't have happened. Uh, you know, the Flaxish, you have to have had an answer to that, and they just didn't. So I think for now, they're okay. They're They're doing enough to be a team that can win a series when they need to, it really shouldn't take three games to beat Giants. It really, if if you're so, going to be a playoff team, like a team that we are locking in and saying, mm -hmm. you are a for sure lock to get out of Group A, shouldn't take three games. So does that say more about about Misfits or Giants? I and think then, it says more about Misfits. But I, it I'll, says more about Misfits. I'll get more into, into Giants later. I think that Misfits' mistakes were beating themselves. I think the way they lost game one came from uh, a failure to understand where their power window was. Uh, they let the poke composition get to exactly where Giants wanted to be, mm -hmm. and they ended up losing that one. Uh, there's a reason that they won game two in 26 minutes. That was great. Um, I, I loved that kind of uh, performance from them where they can sneak a Baron and really just go at it from there. Uh, I really did not like the fact that they had two Barons stolen on them. That is how you get yourself beaten. But the good yeah. news for them is they're playing Rocket. And yeah, what what okay, so what are Rocket's chances here? Chase. What what's the line? I am trying to talk myself off the ledge when it comes to Rocket. I'm going to say just for now the line I had Misfits minus 280. I don't care how badly Misfits plays. They should be favored by quite a bit here. And they are favored by quite a bit. I said Misfits minus 333. Mhm. Mm it is, in fact, Misfits minus 357. Okay. So, so if, you, if you compare it to their Giants, uh, it actually went up. Okay. So it went up a little bit. So definitely think that, uh, that Rocket are, are worse than Giants, which makes sense. That was how all the futures odds and everything were, too. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and honestly, like, Rocket went 0-2 last week and gave up LeBlanc twice and yes. had very few signs of life, if at any of them. I, I, I'm trying to, like, Betsy really was inconsistent in a way that was not okay for me. That that was, as a, as a fan, that was concerning. I think that Giants right now deserve to have a little bit more there. What's the Rock at plus line, just out of curiosity? Rock at plus line is Rock at, at plus 250. 250, okay. Uh, no. Not bad, but it's not, like, anything that I'm, uh... Not enough. I'd write home about. I want to believe in a bounce back week, but not, not for that odd. Well, I don't want to punish you too much, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on uh, to Vitality versus Splice. Float like a butterfly, strike like a snake. Neither team looked great. Let's be honest. Neither team looked good last, uh, last week. You already brought up the coaching troubles that both of them had. Coming into this matchup, who needs this win more? I think, I think Vitality needs this win. I, I think both teams need the win, but I think Vitality really needs this win because the way that they just got beat by Unicorns of Love was rough. And the difference here is that at least Splice, we know that four of those five guys have played together when they've been on a losing streak and bounced back as a team. I trust that the players at the very least that are on Splice understand how to play together what it's like to be on a team together when they win, what it's like to be together on a team when they lose, and how to bounce back from, you know, whatever situation comes their way. We don't have any of that with this particular iteration of the Vitality roster. I thought Joko looked rough. I thought Cabochard looked terrible for a lot of this series. He got destroyed. I I uh, I made a note in, uh, in game two when he made one good play in the top lane. I was like, he's relevant, kind of. Almost immediately got himself killed a few minutes later, but he was relevant for a second there. I swear. I I don't know, man. There's so few positives for Vitality. Like, at least for Splice, you talk yourself into the idea that, you know, game one, uh, you know, some mispositioning errors. Kabi and uh, Mickey were clearly just not prepared <laughs> for some of these Yanko skanks. But Yankos went off. Uh, you know, that's going to happen at least once game two. Weird pick and ban, you know, nothing that they haven't lost from in the past and couldn't come back from now. 
this Vitality team, if they lose, if they go down 0-2, and they now are looking at, you know, Hachani, who's being caught out of position, Kabashard, who looks bad, Joko, who looks, eh, Nuke Duck, who looks about the same, this could f- escalate very quickly for Vitality in a way they really don't want. Do we see GBM in week two? Jungle, or people have been pointing out he has been playing a bunch of mid lane on EU West. We see him at either position. We'll see. Or him. third position. Does he play for Cabochard? Who knows? I uh I'm gonna peg him for week three. I think it's gonna take one more week. I think one series is too quick to react. Maybe by the you know, if they're struggling against Origin, maybe we see him in like a game there. I don't think you can risk putting him in against Splice unless you think he's ready to go. And the fact that he's playing two different positions in solo queue, I, I don't know. That's I, I think we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. But I think, you know, like I said, both teams need this victory. I think Splice is going to take it. I have Splice minus 150, though. I punished him for this loss. I thought it was a bad one. Well, you punished them way too much, my friend. Oh, did I? Okay. I said, I said Splice minus 250. It is, in fact, Splice... Minus 263. So okay. not quite punishing a world's uh, participant as much. Um, they did lose against a very good team. H2K is, in fact, 2-0. And Vitality also has looked awful. Uh, Joko leaves. I I can't believe this is the same guy that played so well on Unicorns of Love for those two weeks. It's, it's kind of mind-boggling that he is this poor. I just want to point out that Vitality was minus 105 against the Unicorns of Love last week. And now they're at plus what against Splice? Plus 195. Okay. Just just so we know where we are. Minus 105 against Unicorns of Love, plus 195 against Splice when we didn't know what Unicorns of Love had. And Splice lost badly last week. What? Swing. It's a hell. Yeah, that is a. A hell of a swing. For for one series from both teams, mind you. Once okay. Okay, let's move on. Whatever. I don't even care. Moving on to El Clasico. Yes, let's do it. Giants versus Fnatic. I don't even think we can refer to Fnatic as as El Clasico. Like I, I think it's Giants versus Orion is El Clasico now. Like this Fnatic can't be included in that. There's there's no Spanish, there's no Xpeque. We have officially moved on from the Xpeque era of Fnatic. We are now into this new era where Caps is um he's not bad. Yeah, no, I was, he's I was, I was pretty impressed with him. But more so, Chase, I want to hear your thoughts on this Fnatic bot lane because you might owe a certain person an apology. Uh, I didn't say anything mean about Reckless. What are you talking about? <laughs> Reckless played amazingly. I look, I loved, I I, uh, I was very sad when his Kennen eventually was in vain because they just couldn't find a way to make anything happen in game three. Almost like Ivern does no damage or something. I, you know, I liked what I saw from Fnatic overall. I, I thought that they, you know, the mistakes that they made were the kind of mistakes that you expect a team that is mostly never played together to make. Uh, you know, obviously Caps is, is brand new. Jezz's has never played in the, uh, you know, support position in Europe. He played for one tournament in North America, uh, you know, and certainly he hasn't played in over a year. So very different things there. Technically that tournament was in Europe. Oh, well then, you know I what? I just have to, I just have to, technicalities here, yeah. friends. No, thank you, because someone would have commented in the YouTube se- section, so shout out to you. I genuinely, I liked what I saw more than what I disliked. Did Jez's do anything to surprise me? No, I didn't think that he was particularly bad, you know, I, I thought, I thought he could be bad. I think he played all right. I didn't see anything that allows me to, you know, get excited about him yet, though, because... It wasn't an individual thing that determined how I Fnatic lost this game. It was the fact that from a macro perspective, the team was just lost. I mean, God, the the Caps play on the Baron in game one where he's coming in on the back end and just getting destroyed and just torn to shreds because 
I don't know what he thought he was going to do there. There's clearly no way he's going to steal the Baron from that angle with the with the you know the jungler still firmly in place. So I don't know what the plan was, but he did it anyway. Uh, three losing lanes for Fnatic. Another thing you got to love when coaches do that. Eh. Um, but you know, at least you know, Baby Faker, as they called him all week, uh, he did well. I really let you know, with the exception of that Baron play, I thought he mostly played. Very well uh, in lane. Definitely wasn't afraid to take chances. Wasn't afraid to take his shots. Uh, and I thought he did so with efficiency. I thought that, uh, you know, I, as a general rule, Soaz looked more zoned in than I've seen him in a while. If the Great. question was, was Soaz going to mentally bounce back from his origin days? I think the answer is yes. He looked mentally put together. Did anyone in this team really do anything to shock me? No, not particularly. And I am going to laugh at the fact that Soaz managed to dual expect in the top lane in a way where they both killed each other. That is something we should all be able to laugh at as League of Legends fans and admit that maybe they didn't always make good macro plays. But the micro stuff, their mechanics are solid. If they figure out where they need to be on the map and start taking objectives when they need to and stop letting the other team dictate the pace of the game, Fnatic could be very good. Who made the call to rise well, Realm Warp into the base in Game 2 to end the game? Who made that call? I mean, it has to be Soaz, right? You have to assume? Okay. I mean, maybe, it could have been Jezus. Jezus is a very intelligent player, and as someone who was on the other end of the uh, SK uh, IM Katowice loss uh, with the Peke backdoor, it seems like it would be in play. Like, someone would know, just, someone would have explained to him, this is how you lose bad games like this. Uh, it, it just, it was, it was very, that was the one time I thought Fnatic really looked like they knew what they were doing. But that game went 40-something minutes. What in the world, Fnatic? Close a game, please. Please, close a game. That was, that was uh, almost a quite bad uh, O2. <laughs> and we'd probably be talking about it very differently. But this is why you don't overreact to one series, ladies and gentlemen. Uh... Uh, yeah. Well, let's overreact to one series then. Chase! Gambling line? This series! Yes. We're going to put all of our money and all of our savings accounts on this one game. What are the odds? How much money are we making? I assume it's Fnatic minus 400. I think this is a classic minus 400 line. Well, you are going to get this. Okay. Not because you are right, but because you are closer. Okay. I said Fnatic minus 450. It is Fnatic minus 303. That puts Giants at plus 220. That. So, games in, and we're tied. That is I interesting. Like I, you see, you already know how this ended. I don't know why you get to say you don't like this. I don't like this. I'm also not sure I like that line. Giants it at plus 220. Yeah. It just, it just seems low, but I guess it... it he, I don't. I don't know. It's one of those he things. Lost like G two. Do you do you look at Giants at plus two twenty and say that looks good? Are are the flaws that are inherent in Fnatic the kind of thing that Giants could take advantage of? And the problem I have there is, uh, well, maybe if they had stronger macro play, but it's Giants and Memento is their jungler, and. I did not see very cohesive macro play from them. Although, man, watching this Flaxus versus Soaz mashup is going to be tasty. Oh, for so. sure. Th yeah, this will be a fun series. I just don't think it's, it's good, one that... Good uh... calamari. Yes. That's... Speaking of good series, though. Yes. The series of the week. That's... Unicorns of Love versus H2K. Mm -hmm. These are the two best teams in Europe right now, I think. I, agree. I think they're better than G2. Right now, currently. That's not to say that G2's, like, this is top three and they're all very close, but I think these two teams are slightly better than G2. Poor G2 is looking at this like, look, Rocket gave us LeBlanc twice. I don't know what you wanted us to do. Like, yeah, it's, I, I agree. I think both these teams are very, very good. I, I love what I saw from H2K, just in the sense that we actually got to see two series from H2K. So I have some actual confirmation on some of my feelings for once. And uh, and that tells me that this bot lane is actually really good. I really liked what I saw from Nuclear and Che. I had huge problems as to, or were they going to fit uh, fit together well as pieces of a puzzle? And the answer is yes. They fit together just fine. Um I, I thought that, you know, maybe it's just where the meta is, but I thought Nuclear in particular looked very nice. Che mechanically uh, did what he needed to do. The team as a whole seemed to communicate 
effectively. Mm -hmm. uh, does that mean that they made all of the right calls? No. I, I thought their series against Origin was particularly sloppy. Uh, you know, the fact that they were keeping even in lane, despite the fact that Yankos was eating at a buffet, essentially, for that entire Origin series, seemed kind of silly to me. But that's the world in which we live. And let's face it, that's okay because they have Yankos. They have this guy who can just get crazy fed and turn around big fights for him and be sure to get that big Baron or Dragon Steel when they need it and just do Yankos things. Uh, do I have problems? Absolutely. I, I think that they, uh, in particular in their series against Origin, they really struggled at how to close out a game. Uh, this is something that's going to be a running trend in my analysis on a lot of these teams after week one. Really, you know, it's... it's no you way. Should, you shouldn't need that second or third Baron and then have a fight go completely, you know, in an ace or whatever to close out a game. Korean teams have figured this out, guys. I swear to God, if you fight beforehand and you get enough kills, you can get the kind of towers and put map pressure and just get free stuff. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I believe you guys. So here's the thing. I, I look at this series and I go, okay, they're two really, really good teams. Yes. Um, I think H2K's weakness is in the middle lane um, and, and still like the bot lane. Like, I don't think the bot lane is, is amazing. I think they're very good. But And I look at Unicorns of Love and I just look at it's a really young jungler in Xerxes against Yonkos, who's the best jungler in Europe at this moment. Yes. I love Exile. I think he's great. But Fabivan does just have this ability to play lane even Samux and Hillisong look good, but they weren't carrying unicorns of love at all. They were again, very much clean up team fights, Hillisong shot calling, being the primary initiator, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's, this is Chachi versus Otawamne, two of the best top players in, in, in Europe. So I look at the inexperience that unicorns of love have at jungle and mid. And I look at H2K and I'm, I'm worried here. Yeah. Should I should I be right to be worried here, or or am I am I letting go of the unicorn magic too quickly? I, I think we might be letting go of some magic a little bit quick, mostly because Visit Chachi and Hillisang are still the guys who are going to be making all of the yeah, important decisions when it comes down to you know what shot calls are important, what you know whether the experience is going to come through. The it, it's. Look, I love this Unicorns of Love team. I'm going to just straight too. up say I it. Do, I do too. Of, of all the teams, and I will, I'm going to say this probably in the whole West, this is the team, the only team that I left without any massive question marks on my book. I have some question marks. Every team has question marks. But there wasn't one hanging over the Unicorns of Love after week one was done where I was like, I still don't have a big answer here. Because the answer is... Xerxes is as good as advertised. He is the 17-year-old jungler who just looked really sharp in his performance there. I, I loved the plays that he was able to make. Uh, the jungle, the rumble in the jungle, as uh, as I always like to call it. Yes! Uh, game two was so good! He's really, he just had such a great, uh, oh. you know, knack for when to roam and when to make plays and getting as many ticks on that old as he can to just wear these enemies down. So good on his placement. The guy just, you would never believe he was 17, and you never would have believed that any of these Unicorns of Love guys were, you know, the, as inexperienced as they were when they first hit the LCS stage. There's just something about how Sheepy grows them in his factory, whatever secret laboratory that the Unicorns of Love have to would brew say, their magic. Would you say he's a, an excellent shepherd of young talent? Begrudgingly, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but only begrudgingly, to be fair. In my defense. Yeah, look, I look, look this is going to be the game of the week for me. I am straight up so excited. I have not been excited for a a best of 3 to this extent in a while just because, you know, week 1's just fun all around. It's like, yeah, we get league again and now I get to actually look at this and see this could be a semifinals matchup. Or this could even be like a, a finals. This could be finals third place. It's, it's going to be a relevant game between two relevant teams as this season continues to go forward and i can't wait to see uh whether h2k steps up to this big challenge that unicorns of love will be presenting in just their pure mechanical still and solid play style or if h2k are going to look like they did in their series against splice where we don't care that you're cohesive we're better than you and we know it 
which is what they were able to do there. So I'm very excited to see this one. I have it at H2K minus 130. The, uh, the casinos disagree with you. Okay. They are not riding the Rainbow Unicorn yet. Oh, boy. I said H2K minus 175. Okay. It is H2K minus 212. Okay. So I'm going to get this one here. And that makes the Unicorns of Love underdogs at plus 160. And that means our smart money bet for European <laughs> Week is Unicorns of Love plus yeah, 160. Already bolded. Don't worry about it. I've seen all the lines and I just, this one's going to be a smart money bet. I'm not confident in, in it as a smart money bet yeah. because I think this is a very even series. But compared to the rest of the odds we have, this is about as no-brainer as you can have for us to make. It's Like we said, it's a 50-50 series. You thought it was minus 130 for H2K, which means that Unicorns of Love would be somewhere between minus 105 and plus 105. Yeah. And they're giving us plus 160, which means that the casinos think there are uh, a less likely chance of Unicorns of Love winning this than we do. That's an instant lock-in of that bet. Yeah, so, just a friendly okay. reminder for people who are new to the show. We do our bets best Best bets of the week. I swear I can English. Uh, we do our best bets of the week based off of who has the most value. And a Unicorns of Love plus 160, that's the casino saying, yeah, about, you know, 30% of the time this happens. This happens about 50% of the time. This is a this is a toss-up, and they're giving us about 20% of free value. I will take that every time. And you know what? I think Unicorns of Love actually do win this series. I think that... Right now, H2K still showed some some clear problems in how they played the map in their series against Origin and just how long it took them to close out some of this stuff and how sloppy their mid-game was. Unicorns of Love can take advantage They're of that very, without you, falling you, behind the way Splice did. Unicorns are very clean in terms of macro. I will say Yonko's super experienced first Blood King against the young rookie. Oh, for sure. It, it makes me nervous. This is not, you know, I think he's still going to be a fantastic jungler, but this is his second series on the EU LCS stage. It might be a little early to, to expect him to beat Yankos, but we'll see. That's why they play the games. And speaking of the games, the Miami Misfits will be taking on G2 Esports in the next game on Saturday, the second game on Saturday. Chase... We talked about Misfits quite a bit. We brought up Expect a little bit with G2. What about Perks? What did we think of Perks after week one? Perks looked good. He looked great. I mean, look, this is this is Perks doing Perks things. He got his LeBlanc twice. That's really all you could want on that end. I never had a, a play in their series against Fnatic where I said, Ooh, man, that Perks really cost him there. Did he, did he, was he always perfect positioning? No, you're never going to get a perks game with 100% perfect positioning. But one of the perks of having perks, one could say, is that those little mistakes aren't going to matter when you look at the sheer volume of nice plays that the guy does make. And in every one of the games this week, he was a presence that you had to feel across the map. His roams were on point. They were consistent. They were one of those things where the enemy team was, you know, at the very least having to spend flashes and summoner spells to deal with at a constant rate because they know when to put pressure on the right lanes at the right time. Honestly, I give G2 a lot of credit for the fact that they stayed in that second game against Fnatic as long as they did, because as I said, Fnatic should have won that in under 30 minutes. It took almost 45. It was insane how long G2 were able to elongate that game. That comes to being able to make the right decisions, having the people in the right places at the right time, and giving yourself a shot. And then when you do that, well, then now you get to have the situation where you can go crazy on LeBlanc or you can get away with some poor positioning like he did in game three because he's making more plays on the other side of things. And that is the perk story. You you accept that it will never be as clean as it could be because he will make more plays than he probably should. And that's just how that goes. And I, I think he's going to continue that against Misfits. I was looking at the lines from last week. G2 was so heavily favored against Rocket. I'm assuming they're getting just all of the points uh, in this one as well. I had G2 minus 600. Well, like uh, like the Green Bay Packers, they aren't covering all the points. Let's be honest here. I said G2 
at minus 400. It is G2 at minus 416. Okay. So quite quite a bit lower where you went. Um, I think slight overreaction, maybe not giving Misfits enough credit. Well, also remember that we work off of the plus minus scale, whereas Unicorn uses the decimal scale. So it exponentially, the my numbers are going to get more and more off as you guess higher because there are just fewer numbers that are actually on the decimal scale. Yes. So I wasn't as bad off as the 200 points sounds compared to the amount of points that they would be getting if it was, say, between 100 and 300. Those are much closer together than 400 to 600, or even 400 to, uh, to 2,000, if you look at it from that logarithmic scale. So, yeah, maybe it could have given Misfits a little bit more credit. I'm not surprised by where the line is. That puts Misfits at what? Plus 290. 290. What is that? Uh, I might have to come back to them later. I want to see what their odds are if they get uh, one map off of uh, G2 with a handicap. Because I don't think G2 is... I think G2 is very, very, very good. I think that they did show some mistakes, uh, especially in that Fnatic series. Misfits could maybe get a game. Misfits uh, is at... Everyone's favorite part of the audio format, obviously. Uh, minus one seventeen. There we with go. the handicap. Oh, uh, that, that's a that's a shame. That's a just huge... to just to put it in perspective. The G two two O is at minus one eleven. Okay. So there's really no no love in the handicaps. Yeah. Ne- never mind. Worth a shot. Let's go. Uh, Vitality versus Origin. I'm excited about this. Dude, I <laughs> I'm excited in terms of like gambling on it. Yeah. I'm not excited in terms of watching it. Like, I, I don't know how I feel about this series because the, we have a chance that both teams are going to probably be 0-2. And, and as bad as Cabo Shard and Joko looked, Steelbeck looked phenomenal. Yeah, he did. And I just think about Steelbeck playing against Tabs, and I kind of go, poor Tabs. <laughs> Poor Tabs. He never recovered from his Alliance days. He just never did. He never was that phenomenal Fizz mid laner. He was just just kind of mediocre to above average AD carry, and he hasn't been able to wash that stink off of him. So I guess why are you so excited, I guess, to watch this series then? Well, because this could be the first time that we see a week two loser leaves town match, dude. We never get this! (laughs) We never get this! But you look at H2K and Unicorns of Love, and they're just too good. They're just, they're two super solid teams who are going to make the playoffs. We can lock those two in right now. I would be shocked if H2K and Unicorns of Love were not playoff teams. Whether they're going to be as good as they are right now, we will see. But they look like very clearly playoff potential. Uh, Meanwhile... You kind of have to assume Splice figures something out. At least they will be a threat moving forward. But if both of these teams are sitting at 0-2, which is what you and I both predict, then we have a situation which one of these teams is going 0-3 and will have lost their first three intergroup matches, and one of them is going to be 1-2 with some upside heading into week three, uh, and heading into the uh, groups playing against each other, which we're going to have uh, for that kind of intermediary time. This is potentially huge. And I love just the mental test that's coming in here. You know, which team is going to be able to keep their presence of mind if the draft doesn't go particularly their way, or if they lose an early lead because of, you know, some, you know, either a misclick or something goes wrong. These, you know, or even just... The other team gets a, a, you know, a gank on you early. Can you recover mentally from this? We've got a lot of young guys on both teams who are about to take the test, and I'm not sure where Joko's going to go on this test. I have no idea where Nehun ends up on this test. Uh, I think you know we're going to see a lot of you know who on Origin is ready to step up and try to be the guy for this team, and does Vitality have enough you know kick in their step where they're willing to come back from what could look like a couple bad losses and really take it to this origin roster. I think that it's going to be fun from that angle. I think the fan base of whatever team loses this series is going to have a really rough time going forward. I think this, this is going to be a, a long climb back if there's a climb at all to be had. Well, Chase, 
it might be a little rough going forward for you if you don't nail this pick because <laughs> you don't get this. I then win the week and I have your lead a week and a half into the Guest Alliance Challenge. So when all is said and done, where did you put the line? I had Vitality minus 180. Swing and a miss. God. You are not even in the same ballpark, my friend. Oh, to be fair, on. I only went Vitality minus 200. Uh, it's Vitality minus 303. What? Yeah. It's Vitality minus 303. Uh, with that, I'm going to win the week. It means that the Rocket line doesn't actually matter, so you don't get, uh, you don't lose twice on that line. Um, it matters yeah, in my no heart, respect. Walter. It matters in <laughs> no my... No respect for Orient. Just yeah. no respect for Orient. Origins Plus 220 for Orient. Oh, man. That, Plus uh... We might come back to that. I, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but the next line is also kind of interesting oh, no. in the final matchup of week two chase you're talking about loser goes home matches well this is just as important as vitality versus orian because one of these losers probably will be going home uh at the hands of paris saint germain in oh about 11 weeks time yeah chase let's 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 talk some shop on giants we we, we know rocket i don't want to torture you let's talk some shop on giants sure why are you so wrong about Flaxish? And please don't be uh, satirical like you were with your apology and your ode to forgiven. I want some actual apologies for this young player. Come on. Let's go. Let's bring him out. He had a very good Alawi game. I, that he did. He had a very good Alawi game. He was a late game bully, despite the fact that uh, you know Misfits took such an early lead in game one. Uh, they were able to win that mid-game objective control fight. They were able to claw their way back. Flaxus was a huge part of all of that. So I will give him credit where credit is due, which also means he gets all of the blame for everything that happens in game two and three, which it just, you know, they got bullied by some of these misfit laners. You know, I didn't see enough from him in game two for me to go, or game three for that matter, to go, oh yeah, he's going to be consistently great. What it tells me is he's got one pocket pick and that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Shout out to you, Flaxus. You got one. Piglet oh. has a Twitch counter pick. You're not going to get, you're not going to hear. If, if he ever gets Camille or Fiora, like it'll be game over. I can guarantee you. Sure. But why would he? And this is the problem that Giants have, which is that Flaxus without one of those uh, champions is not the same kind of guy. And it's so easy in this meta to either ban those kind of things away or, you know, have him end up on a, a tank type thing, or at the very least take the kind of tank that can deal with this. I don't love the idea of Flaxish being the guy who needs to carry a game for you, which is a problem because Knight was not that guy this week. You would have hated watching the North American Challenger scene then. You would have hated watching Nova because that literally was their plan. Look, like, and there's nothing... I, and you know what? I get that for a Challenger team. For a Challenger team, that's a great idea. For a professional scene team, you need multiple options. I talk all the time on this show. Multiple ways to win. It's a huge part of being one of the top tier teams in a professional region, in a power professional region for that matter. You have to be able to understand what your win condition is by the composition and have multiple attacks for it. I want to see how Flaxish looks when he's being forced onto tanks, which we didn't get, you know, we got to see, uh, you know, later on against Misfits. I think we're going to see it again. Uh, I think he's going to have to prove that he has a second option. Until then, I'm not willing to give him a lot. Uh, more than that, I guess I could say. I did like the idea of Knight on Corky. The idea of it, of course, being better than what actually ended up happening. Execution was kind of mediocre. Yeah, it was okay. He he was just kind of okay in general. Um, I I don't really care for for most of what I saw from from Knight or from Hiku for that matter. Memento. Not a great ganking jungler, but apparently he just gets all of the Baron steals. I apparently that's just a thing. They some the jungling gods came down from the heaven and told Memento, you can have one of two things. You can either be a good jungler or you can be good at stealing dragons and barons, and he opted for the latter category, and that'll do something for him. It'll keep him he, in games. But he pulled the reverse Saint Vicious. I get it. it yeah. I get it. Yeah, whatever whatever deal Saint Vicious made uh, cost him his smiting ability, he made the exact opposite. But the good news for them is they're playing Rocket. And while last Sunday was me getting to celebrate, 
my favorite team in a sport rising to the occasion and earning themselves a chance in the for the uh, NFL championship. This week, I'm going to be watching my favorite team desperately try not to fall to 0-3, because if they do, I don't know what happens from here. You know, I'm already seeing all of Reddit start to root against them, especially with the LeBlanc bands being what they were. I, I don't think I can take another week of, uh, of disappointment it, like that. And you know what? You don't have to. There's always the Pro Bowl. Chase, oh. what's the line on this one? <laughs> it's a shame. They're doing the actual uh, fun stuff on Thursday. I want to see the dodgeball, but I can't use that as an excuse to get out of a Rockat game. Maybe out of the no, Misfits one. I have Giants minus 150. They should be favored here. And... You're going to win this one. It doesn't matter because I already won the week. I said Giants minus 135. It is Giants minus 232. Wow. A little disrespectful to Rocket, in my opinion. uh, May I refer back to our notes on one series sample size? What? How have these teams distinguished themselves from each other? They're both losers. Hell, you can make so, a good case for Rock Hat. Like, there's no way they screw up pick and ban that same way twice in a row, right? Like, I mean, granted, they did it two games in a they row. They did it two games oh, in God, a row. Oh, God, they're totally going to do it twice in a row, aren't they? So, so Falcons boy. Yeah. Feeling lucky? What's uh, Rock Hat's plus line? Plus 175. Okay. Feeling lucky? No. <laughs> Not on that one. I feel no. better about uh, Origin plus 220, though. I, I do like that one. I, I do actually like that one quite a bit. Um, so I'd say we lock that one in. Uh, I just didn't see anything from Vitality that makes me feel like they, uh, should be favored as minus 303 against anybody. Well, so then you're either picking, the only other ones that are under 200, I guess we could go Giants or Fanatic. I don't like that one. I don't think that happens. No. The other ones that are, like, under 200 are Vitality over Splice, lock that over Giants. Yeah, vitality. It's, not, it's not great for it's not great odds this week for us. Uh, I guess I would rather. Here's the problem: I'm already having to bet money on Origin and dealing with the the week of stress that I'm going to be giving myself because I will have to think to myself, "Oh God, one of our three smart money bets this week relies on Origin being good," <laughs> and so I don't feel like I think adding Rocket to that would be uh, just mean. It would be unfair to the fans who actually listen to us on this show. I You're sure Misfits is going to be better this week, right? You're absolutely sure? I Misfits are playing against G2 and Rocket. Right. I'm looking at plus 250 and thinking that's not the craziest thing in the world. Misfits almost dropped that series against uh a team that we're not convinced is particularly great. I'm not sure, you know, if, if if things turn around and they don't pick so it's badly and pick a man. It's more likely they beat Giants than this. Sure, I just, I don't think it's 75, I think the 75 extra points versus a couple, I don't know how much more favorite it is. Let's just go rock out over, uh, over Giants then, that's fine. I, I think that's more likely to happen. I think that's more that's likely fine. I just, at, at this point, we're just telling our viewers, you ha- we're telling you, Origin and Rocket, guys, trust us. <sighs> It's not our fault that there's some bad lines this week, okay? There's not very good lines. I'm sorry, folks. But yeah, we have Unicorns of Love at plus 160 over H2K. We have Orion at plus 220 over Vitality. And we have Rocket at plus 175 over Giants. Those are our smart money bets. We do not guarantee a return on any investment, despite the fact that we do claim that we are experts because it says so in our Twitter bios. And that's a podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for hanging out with us for an hour while you're on your way to work, while you're sitting at your computer playing League of Legends. Whatever you're doing, we appreciate you. And we hope you will come back tomorrow because we're going to cover week two of the North American League of Legends Championship Series. And I'm going to have to eat some crow. So if anyone wants to get some last shots in at me before that episode... You can find me at C80s underscore LOL, and you can torture this Atlanta Falcons fan up here. Chase, where can the good folks at home find you? You can find me at RedshirtKing. Let's keep the conversation going, guys. I love hearing from you on the social media. I love uh, getting to talk to you guys on on Reddit and and joining this UOL fan club. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, Keep it up. You want to invite me to more fan clubs. I will bandwagon on whatever team you want to invite me to. So 
Just saying. I am I am available and my my allegiance can be bought. So shout out to uh, so shout out to them and, and thank you guys for listening. We accept cookies and Tom Brady Uggs. <laughs> Matt Ryan is overrated. Oh, oh Bye, internet. Hey there, C80s here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming, or join our VIP club where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.